Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 to number 1. This week, Top 5 Technologies That Changed Our Lives. Now listen, if you are a really big fan of Top 5, <laughs> you might note that just about a year ago, in October of 2020, we did Top 5 Technologies That Changed Our Lives. So this could either be a Part 2... Or it could be, no one remembers 2020. This is a brand new <laughs> list to you. So the top five technologies that change our lives part two is what I'm calling it. I'm going to start with my number five. And it's something that I'm, I'm fairly proud of trying to cultivate more and more over the years. And this is a technology that changes our life, whether we know it or not. And that is our algorithm. I'm constantly monitoring my algorithm because it's constantly trying to change my life. And you got to be careful when you deal with your algorithm, because if you let somebody else come in and mess with your algorithm, it can throw you off tremendously. Uh, for example, YouTube. If the boys end up watching their, what I call dumb, but enjoyable to them videos on YouTube, <laughs> and they're doing it under my account, all of a sudden my account will start feeding me all these According to me, dumb, but according to them, very cool videos. And uh, I don't want those in my feed. So I have to spend a lot of time working those out and retraining the algorithm to only deliver the things that I want. Likewise, when I make a purchase or when I listen to something or when I view something, I'm very careful on what I do because I know at some way, shape or form that uh, that Instagram image that I linger on a little too long, that like thumbs up button that I give on a Twitter tweet uh, that, uh, that Facebook page that I scan through is somehow going to come back and haunt me, uh, years from now. So I'm very careful in cultivating my algorithm. That is a technology that has changed my life. And that is my number five. At first I thought you were talking about your cardiac rhythm there. No, that's not an algorithm. It's like messed up. No, but well, you're like, and if you, if you don't keep good care of it, it could mess you up good. I'm like, it yeah. can. It can mess you up good if you don't take care of your algorithm. Uh, My algorithm is already very messed up. I get all kinds of weird stuff on Facebook, and I'm like, who do you think I am? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I saw that post. Yeah. You've, yeah. Got to, you've got to trim those things and be careful of those things very, very much so, so that you're not getting fed, you know, comics gate dumbasses and that kind of stuff. So uh, well, anyway, yeah. that's my number five. Uh, Matthew, what do you have for your number five? My number five. Uh, is one actually that when you say technology that changed my life specifically, it's not new. I mean, it's not as though this is something that popped up when I was 30, but it is something that has changed my life. And it changed my life in a very important way because of a stupid decision that I made when I was probably 19 years old. Um, and that technology is the telephone now, the telephone was invented in 1876 by a telephone smith. And uh, what he did was he made a device that you could pick up a thing and people could yell at you. And when I was 19, I said, hey, I'm going to go work in this, this call center here and I'm going to make some money on the side. And I'm like, yeah, useful skill. And then, you know, I went and I did my thing and I was in the radio and I was in the TV. And then I wasn't in the radio or the TV anymore. And they were paying me dirt. And then there's like, hey, we got a call center and we'll pay you like three times what you make in the TV and the, and the thing. And I'm like, well, heck, I'm going to try this. So I went in and I put on the telephone hat and I was like, hello, 
how are you? This is my telephone voice. And pretty much since 2003, my job has been either answering a telephone, uh, helping and coaching others to answer a telephone, monitoring the kind of things that happen when someone answers a telephone, or literally fixing, installing, and you know, messing about with telephones. And so it really has changed my life. And you know, much like you guys, I have a degree in radio, TV, film. So I have a chosen field of study, but because my job has now switched to be the telephone, uh, I can get deferments on my student loans because they don't work in my field of study. And I think that that's really the biggest change to mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. yeah. is, you know, 35 years out of school, I'm still not paying on my student loans regularly. And that's all because of my number five of a telephone. All right. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for your number five? Uh, my number five is something that uh, has impacted uh, my work. Um, that Well, my day job, I mean. Um, prior to this, uh, it was very difficult to uh, get everybody on the same page. After this, it is, in fact, so easy to have everybody on the same page that people kind of neglect the official lines of communication that we had already. And that's WhatsApp. Um, mm-hmm. Sub in any sort of like messaging uh, kind of uh, workflow thing. Um, I work giving direct care to people at their houses, um, uh, mostly or uh, people with uh, mental disabilities, adults with mental disabilities. So the company that I work for has multiple sites and you can train at, mul- at multiple sites. And by sites, I, I do mean people's houses. Um, you can train with each client and then if they need you to fill in somewhere or you want to put in extra time or something changes about your schedule, they can move you around, right? So it used to be that in order to get everybody at every site to um, to, to to know that there was an announcement, the bosses would have to go and there was a little tack board and they would put this thing on the tack board or they would write it in the journal that we keep for every client. Um, and that was like an incredibly slow, like, 1800s way of, of yeah. doing things like i feel yeah. like the boss just had to like come in and be like here yeah here yeah whoever's here on, this, on shift at this time tell everybody else <laughs> um so one of one of the one of the employees was like hey have you guys used whatsapp and then we started using whatsapp bosses love it but now it's like kind of it's it's created some of its own problems um mainly that uh it's a very uh, easy form of communication. So sometimes people don't use it in the most professional way. Um, and and more importantly, that there are still sort of official ways in which we have to like note things. And sometimes people don't because they assume that just sending a WhatsApp, WhatsApp message is enough. Um, so it's, it's a back and forth, but it has it, you know, from the time before WhatsApp, the time now, I use this app so much for work. It has definitely like impacted my life. Yeah, no, a lot of people use this and yeah. uh, it's, it's a great way to communicate, especially because I believe that one's the one that's international. What? Right. Yeah. The WhatsApp yep. one. Yeah. So that makes it much yeah. easier for people what, to communicate. WhatsApp is owned by Facebook, but still maintains kind of its own identity. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, WhatsApp is also the one of the ones that are like, no, the government, we're not going to let you like de-encrypt our stuff. Mm-hmm. Neener, neener. Mm-hmm. So that's nice, at least. Yep. Very cool. All right. My number four is one that, again, it's not a new technology, but is one that certainly changed my life. And hey, listen, I know that there is a large percentage and a growing number of people that look at this technology and go, no, I'm just not interested in it. And that's fine. But as a kid growing up in the middle of nowhere, the promise of a driver's license and the promise of getting in a car was an open invitation to the world, right? Uh, Getting a car, uh, being able to drive a car legally uh, allowed me to travel to places that uh, through conventional means, my parents, Greyhound, whatever, uh, just wasn't possible. And certainly over the years, I enjoyed driving my car to get away from people, to go and see people, to go and make money, to go and lose money. Um, There are all sorts of things that I can do in my car. Um, You know, I've used a car to drive across the country multiple times, uh, both for job purposes and for recreation purposes. Um, And so the automobile is something that has literally changed my life. And again, I understand that a growing number of people of the younger generation have zero interest in ever learning how to drive a car in not wanting to deal with the headache, the hassle, the nervousness of so many cars on the road. Um, The proliferation of public transit in many cities uh, means that an automobile or a car is just not something that you necessarily need in your life. And I totally understand it. But for me. It allowed me to do so much and still does allow me to do so much. And sometimes it is still fun to just get in a car and drive for pleasure, even if it's for 20 minutes, just to go and drive and get away and clear my head. Uh, But the car is my number four technology that has changed my life. Matthew, what do you have for your number four? My number four is actually one that I was first experienced no, wait, that I first experienced or was first exposed to right about the same time that I met Stephen. And it's very interesting that this particular technology in my life is pretty much somehow always comes back to Stephen. And that is my number four, the Internet. Um, now, a lot of people will tell you the Internet was created in 1990 by Internet Smith. And while that is true, previous to that, uh, Al Gore invented a few things that were sort of proto-internets. And when I got to college in uh, 1989, there was the Usenet. And Usenet allowed you to communicate back and forth with people. There are dear friends who I met in 1989 on the Usenet that I still keep up with today. Uh, It's weird that I'm still, you know, 19 and they're all old. But more importantly, um, the Internet is, right now it's how I'm talking to you, But it's also the source of my second job for the last 15 years. So basically, you know, without the Internet, there'd be no major spoilers. I feel like without the Internet, a lot of the things that I enjoy um, to get me through a day of being yelled at by uh, complete strangers who are like, yeah, are you a robot? There are no robots here. Well, you sound just like the thing. That's because I recorded the thing. Well, that makes you a robot. All right. Whatever you say, Buford. But. That's that's actually verbatim a conversation that I've had more than once. But on the Internet, you have 
access to things that you would never have. I mean, when I grew up, I was like, man, someday I'm going to get rich and I'm going to buy these old comic books. And now I can literally go and look at them, you know, redrawn, recolored on the internet. I can do research that I would have had to do in a library. Uh, I can see naked people that I would have had to go to a strip club for. I mean, there are any number of things that you can do on the internet. Some of them skeevy. Uh, forgive me if that was skeevy. I didn't mean it to be. Yeah, HR but, would like to have a conversation with you. Well, we don't have an HR, so learn to deal. Um, but, you know, I just literally, um, because of Stephen's uh, predications of doom, uh, bought all of my Christmas presents over the Internet. I literally logged on to a site. I said, do you have this? They said yes. I gave them a card. They put in the information. They mailed it to me. Never talked to a person. Never actually physically stepped in a store. Some of these things come from other countries, but, you know, got them wrapped them under my tree. So, I mean, it's life changing in a lot of ways, but more importantly, uh, you know, major spoilers, big part, probably, you know, 30% of my life somehow bumps into major spoilers, three, four, five days a week. We're doing major spoilers. We're writing cool stuff for major spoilers. So if you enjoy major spoilers, the internet will also allow you to go to patreon.com forward slash major spoilers, uh, which I mentioned for no reason at all. And that's why it's my number four. Rodrigo, what is your number four? Uh, let's see. My number four is uh, the Nintendo Switch. And that has changed my life because... Um, so, uh, in, the, in the pre-Switch days, Nintendo usually had kind of two different things going. They have their consoles, like your... GameCubes and Nintendo 64s and your handheld um, devices like your uh, Game Boy Virtual Boy, not Virtual Boy. <laughs> your DSs. Yeah, yeah, and your Nintendo DS. Um, so uh, for me, even though I had a, a Nintendo DS, um, it was not always great because the screen is small and I have to like like squint at it and it hurts my head and I suffer from frequent migraines. So basically playing Pokemon on the DS would give me bad, would give me, you know, a specific type of migraine that I, I, I dubbed a Pokemon headache, right? It's like, <laughs> it just causes a very specific kind of it's reaction. A, it's a psychic electric attack. I think. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and and it's different. And some you know, I'll play other games that also cause the same level of like focus and will give me a similar headache. And I was like, oh, I played Fire Emblem for too long. I got a Pokemon headache. Um, but anyway, um, now with the Switch, Nintendo has because the Switch is both a handheld and a console. I guess console technically you can be a handheld console, but I mean like a, something that you watch on your TV. Um, it they have like sort of merged all of their lines. It used to be that Pokemon was only available was only out for handhelds. Um, same thing with Fire Emblem, two series that I really enjoyed. Um, but now because everything's on the Switch, everything's on the Switch, which means I can play uh, I I can play Pokemon Sword and Shield on the Switch. I can play it on a big TV, and it reduces the amount of time that I have to spend looking at a tiny screen. So that's very helpful. It's it's kind of this thing where, like, I didn't even... It, it, when the Switch first came out, I was like, are they going to make Pokemon games for my TV now? And the, the, <laughs> the answer was yes. You know, so it's like, 
um, this ability to sort of play something that I liked in a different way really kind of uh, changed things for me. It, it kind of opened those games up again. I had basically stopped playing Fire Emblem games because it just wasn't worth it for me to play them on a tiny screen. But mm-hmm. as soon as a new one came out for the Switch, it was great. And I played the heck out of uh, Three Houses. Nice. So yeah, nice. Nintendo Switch my fourth. Little, little known yeah. fact, Nintendo was invented uh, in 1889 by Fusajiro Yamauchi Smith. Oh. Yeah. All right, we are moving on to our number threes. Nine, my number three is um, stills cameras, right? The old um, you know, film camera that you would use to take still photographs with. Uh, I got my still photograph, uh, still camera when I was, I want to say eight or nine. Uh, when this we went on a f- war on your helmet in college. No, <laughs> sorry. What, what is wrong with you? No, I'm talking you about a stills a camera, camera on your helmet in college. That was a movie camera. Number one. Oh, and number oh, two. I'm sorry. I'm talking about a stills camera that I had when I was eight or nine. When we went on a family vacation and my mother was like, hey, you probably want to take some pictures. And I started taking pictures and the pictures, you know, I thought they were fine, but other people thought they were pretty good. And over time, I continued to develop uh, skills with stills cameras, uh, moving from, you know, little Instamatic uh, type cameras to 35 millimeter film cameras. And then when I got to college, uh, starting to use video cameras and the like. So. Uh, the still camera, while uh, we can go back and we can talk about the Kodachrome memories that that we all have uh, for, that uh, Paul Simon talks about. Yeah, you, me, and Paul Simon. Yep, exactly. Uh, and they do cool. preserve those memories uh, for a lifetime. They also allowed me to build on some valuable skills that I would use throughout the rest of my life. Composition, framing, exposure, uh, all of those kinds of things. And so, yeah, the stills camera, this little, I think it was the, what is it? Kodak 110, I think is the, uh, the film stock, uh, from all the way back in the day. Um, and that little Instamatic camera that I had, um, really changed my life. And so that technology, again, not new technology, uh, but, uh, that, that older technology was something that, that, uh, carried me through some dark times when I was a kid. So my number three stills camera, uh, Matthew, what do you have for your number three? That's cool. I only had the Crosby and Nash cameras when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. more importantly, um, my number three, we know how, my number five was the telephone. My number four was the internet. My number three is tied into both of those and that it is the internet telephone or the smartphone. Um, I actually got a cell phone completely by accident in that my wife went and bought one uh, without telling me, signed us up for a five-year plan, and all of a sudden I had a phone bill that I didn't know about. But we, you know, did pretty well with it. It allowed us to communicate. And a few years ago, I upgraded to my first smartphone. Um, It was after the iPhones came out and other people started knocking them off. Uh, And I think I got like an LG or something, but it was like a whole new world for me. And What's really fascinating now is I cannot go places without my phone. And in a lot of ways, that's literal because uh, getting places now, I use the the mapping on my phone to go there. Uh, and I can, you know, use the Wi-Fi to communicate with the car and play my music through the speakers. And, you know, I can text back and forth to my family asking, when are we picking up the child? What do we need to do? Are we going to get dinner? If we are going to get dinner and we're going to order it, I can literally order it from my little internet phone. 
all of my magical friends are in that phone. You know, I get up in the morning and I'm like, oh, I have a text from Jeanette or I have, you know, a message from Melanie. And I can go and look and see what's going on with all the cool people who aren't, you know, in my horrible little town in the in the Kansas uh, hills here where everything is cold and terrible. And all of these things just kind of come together where part of the way that I get through my job, the frustration, the, you know, the crushing parts of my job is the fact that I have my phone there. Uh, lately, I've actually downloaded a program where I can take images and I can edit images on my phone. I have software on my phone that allows me to do certainly not Photoshop quality, but I can do editing on my phone. So if I get a picture that's not quite right and I want to use it for a 10 things, I can take my phone and go boodly, boodly, boodly. And then I can, you know, really the only thing I don't do with it anymore is call people or answer it. Um, mostly because if I'm at work, it's silenced. And if I'm at home, anybody who needs to call me is probably in the room with me because, uh, pretty much my whole family either works from home or goes places with me. So, um, but the the smartphone completely changed my life. I think back ten years, and I can't fathom what I did to get through you know a day of taking phone calls or you know how do how do you deal with that boredom? Uh, when do you play Angry Birds? Obviously, you know all of these things come together. And in some ways, people will say, "Oh, it's it's ruining our attention spans and it's breaking our faces and it's destroying the way that we interact." But it's also widening my ability to communicate with people. And I feel like that's a positive. You know, if I go through a day without my phone, I talk to three people. If I have my phone, I can talk to 20 or 30. And I think that's pretty impressive. I have imaginary friends in a little glass box, and that's why my number three is my smartphone. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for your number three? Uh, My number three is uh, an electric toothbrush. Not not just because it, it gave us the number one hit of 2015 malfunctioning brush. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yep, um, I love that song. It's a good one. It's a good uh, but also also because um, I like apparently gotten really used to it. I didn't ever used to. I, I didn't used to have a uh, an electric toothbrush, and uh, my wife at some point went to like Costco or something and got both of us an electric toothbrush. And she's like, you're going to use an electric toothbrush now. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I started using it and it's not necessarily like, I don't know if it does clean better, but I'm, I I guess I've gotten used to like not brushing, you know, just letting the the toothbrush do its thing and just moving it around. Um, So that uh, those, I still have, I know I was like, so my current, toothbrush is starting to malfunction uh not not in a uh not in a cool hip-hop way but it just turns off randomly Mm -hmm. um so sometimes i have to take my electric toothbrush and brush my teeth like a like a like a neanderthal with it (laughs) um so i'm just like man i can't believe that i used to do this um how do you even do this and it's actually terrible because the the bristles on the on the brush are pretty are, are like kind of soft. I think that's part of like the vibration. You know, like it's it's better with like softer bristles, but it's softer than like the normal toothbrushes that I used to use. So it just like feels extremely weird to to just brush my teeth again. So I'm like 
today I was thinking about it. And I'm like, I guess this must have changed my life because it feels weird not to use it. So my number three, <laughs> a uh, electric toothbrush. You know what Very you good. call a broken electric toothbrush, don't you? What? A toothbrush. Yeah, just a toothbrush. Yeah, sure. All right. We are about to enter our number twos and dear listeners. If you want to provide some feedback, some thoughts on top five, maybe you have a suggestion of top five or just want to share your own. Might I suggest you head over to the Major Spoilers Discord server where we have a channel specifically dedicated to this podcast where you can come and interact with all sorts of really cool people from all over the world. You can share your top fives and a whole bunch of others. You can even suggest top fives. It's not uncommon for me to go and check uh, that uh, channel just to see if anybody has made a good suggestion recently. And then we incorporate that into the show. So go check out our Discord server. You can join for free or um, yeah, just go join for free. There's a link in the show notes. That's the thing that you need to know. Get over there. Let's see another 200 people uh, sign up this week. And if you have a, a Patreon account at patreon.com slash major spoilers, you can connect your uh, Patreon account to our Discord server and access secret channels, channels that no one else but our cool patrons have access to. And oh boy, the things that go on in those secret channels might blow your mind. But that's for a different top five. Today is top five technologies that changed our lives, and we are up to number two. And in the early days when I had a car, uh, I could look in a phone book for something, and I could find an address, and then I would have to go out into my car, and I had a uh, book that had a picture of the state of Kansas and all of the roadways in the state of Kansas on that. And if I wanted to go from one place to another, I would open this magical book and I would look at the little picture and I would try to figure out where I am. And then I would follow these little lines all over this uh, picture to try to get to the place that I wanted to go a map. And in some cases, you know, maps are, are, are great, especially if you have a map of your city. Um, when I moved to Atlanta, uh, I spent a lot of time with local maps there trying to figure out that city. When I moved to uh, California, uh, one of the things when I went in, I went into the bookstore and it's like, well, I need a, I need a map of this area. If you have those things. And they're like, Ooh, what you really need is this. I, I forget what the name of it is. It's a road book. Uh, but basically it is a big thick book of like the city that you're in. Plus like the surrounding two or three cities, you know, going out in a radius and you could look it up. And this was like page after page after page that if you were, if this were a traditional fold up map, the map itself would be as thick as a phone book. And when you unfolded it, it would be the size of the city that you're living in. Uh, but these kinds of things were fantastic uh, and very helpful when trying to get from point A to point B. When I was in California, a friend of mine, a, a former student uh, of mine from Atlanta came out to visit. And he's like, hey, man, I want to show you this cool thing. And he pulled out this little device that had an L, uh, LCD screen that kind of indicated where we were. He goes, this little dot, this is us. Now let's go and get in the car and we would drive around and this little dot would drop little dots behind it. And it would kind of show the path of where we were. And if we wanted to get back to where we were, we could just follow those dots in reverse. This was a Marine GPS, something that you would put on a boat. If you were out in the water, so you can kind of get your bearings and know where you could go. But he was using it in a car, uh, less than a year later, GPSs that would show up in your vehicle started to arrive. Um, I remember I had one for my palm device that never really worked, but it was kind of cool when it did. But again, you would just 
type in the address that you would want to go and it would instead of you having to flip through all the maps and all the pages and get confused and get angry and try to pull out a flashlight in the middle of the night trying to figure out where you are would simply say here are the directions you need to go and take a turn here and take a turn there. GPS technology is amazing thanks to those uh, global positioning satellites. Again, uh, the technology has gotten better and the government has eased up on some of the restrictions to GPS, which means we can get uh, GPS data that uh, almost pinpoints our location. Not, I think we're now 30 yard radius, I think is what we can do with uh, public GPS. I think you can get down to a one yard radius with military GPS. But the ability to find out where you are on the planet and then through the use of your smartphone or even automobiles still today come with built in GPS, which I don't understand because. Pretty much everybody has a smartphone that you can get either Google Maps or the Apple apps or whatever that you have, whatever mapping device that you have. And it's got built in GPS and will also tell you where you need to go. GPS is a lifesaver. Uh, if you ask me to read a map today, I would probably have a tough time with it. But I can certainly pick up my phone and say, hey, please direct me to this location or this address. And it will say, sure enough, here you go. And of course, some mapping applications are better than others in getting you there and giving you directions uh, to turn at the right time or to not drive you off a cliff. But um, man, GPS is a life changer. And I've watched it evolve and develop over the last uh, 20 years. And it is a, it's a great technology. And it's one that I'm glad that has changed my life. So GPS, my number two. Matthew, what's your number two? My number two is actually something that I'm sure Carl will tell us how many times I've talked about, but it is one of the things that literally changed my life. May have been on the previous list because I didn't realize we had done this one before. And so if it is on the previous list, just keep it in mind, it changed my life twice. Um, today, went to my doctor. My doctor's a, you know, a nice lady. She's like, all right, are you doing this? Are you doing this? I'm like, yes. Are you using your CPAP? And every time they ask me that, I want to say, are there people that don't? Because my number two, a continuous positive air pressure machine, um, not only keeps me able to sleep more soundly and, you know, less fitfully, it keeps me from dying. Uh, when I went in uh, for the test, they, they glued all these things on my face. And I had like leads and electrodes and framalamas and stats all over me. And they're like, okay, we're going to have you go to sleep. And if you have more than 30 apneas in a one-hour period, you will be considered a person who definitely needs the device. And I woke up and they're like, you had 104 apneas in the first hour. And I'm like, yay me. I'm, I'm above the average. Um, but they gave me the machine, I put on the machine, and now I sleep through the night and I wake up and I'm, I'm not miserable and I'm not tired and I'm not weirdly bleary all the time. And I forgot to take it with me on a vacation weekend a few years ago and couldn't sleep, literally could not sleep. I sat there and every time something would happen, I would start awake, I would feel my breathing go funny and I'd be like, ah. So I pretty much sat up for eight hours on my vacation because I forgot to bring this machine that has completely changed my life. And I feel like if you have one of these and you don't use it, I, I want to know why. Because uh, there's really no downside other than, oh, I have to get used to a hose. But if you go to sleep and you have like three pillows and a blanket 
and you know a wife or something in your in your bed you have to maneuver around things you have to move around in your sleep you wrap yourself in a blanket sometimes you flip a hose over your shoulder and you're fine so my number two my CPAP machine for seriously if you're listening right now and you have one and you're not using it just use it Matthew says it's great put that on the internet okay there you go uh Rodrigo what do you have for your number two uh, my number two is a tablet, which I think is my one repeat from last time. On Critical Hit? No, on Top 5. Oh, um, right. I get confused. But, uh, yeah, so um, I had a laptop. I, I mean, I still have a laptop. Um, and I take that everywhere and use it and typey type on it and stuff. Um, but it really has gotten to the point where I can do almost everything that I could do on my laptop on my tablet. And now that I have a desktop, it's like, okay, well, if I need to sit down and work on something, I'll just do it at the desktop because it's a lot more comfortable than having the laptop on my lap um, or, or even sitting the laptop at the desk and typing on it. Obviously the desktop with, you know, uh, looking into a monitor that's a little bit larger is, is more comfortable. So I've really just translated about like two thirds of the stuff that I used to do on my laptop. Now I just do on a tablet. Um, and then the other third went back to the desktop and it's, I, I think it's interesting. I think that the tablet side of things is starting to like really devour the laptop side of things in general out in like consumer world. It's, getting pretty hard to tell the difference between a laptop and a tablet like you will buy or you will see something that looks like a laptop but secretly it's actually a tablet right you know you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. yeah like yep. it'll be like google will be like hey here's this laptop and it's like you open it and you're like this is just a tablet google and they're like yeah but it works like a laptop it's like can i download any program i want onto it like a laptop no you can't. <laughs> this is it's like, no, you can't. Are you crazy? This is a tablet. So, um, but, but I feel like slowly, like those two things are just going to merge together until there is no difference between a laptop and a tablet. Um, but I'm kind of already there and have like basically just keep my laptop around for when I like absolutely need to do something that I can't do on the tablet. And I'm not at my house. Yeah. So very nice. Yeah. Tablets are great. Tablets are great, but they didn't make my list. But my number one is the tape recorder. Uh, the tape recorder is really great. It's certainly better than a uh, vinyl. Uh, if you're someone that is trying to have fairly portable media, because it's very difficult to listen to a vinyl record while you're driving down a bumpy dirt road, but pop your tape in the cassette player and you can listen to it. Um, you can also make copies a lot easier uh, from uh, tape to tape as opposed to vinyl to vinyl. And one of the amazing things that you can do is make mixtapes for people that you like. And you can also record your own voice. And I remember when I got my very first tape recorder of my own, uh, that's one thing that I did spend a lot of time doing, just recording my voice, uh, recording myself talking, playing things back, uh, recording um you know, parts from, from plays or speeches that I was working on so I could play back and listen to that or put the other person's uh, voice on there so that I'd have something to act against 
And then, of course, just goofing around as you do when you're a 10 year old and you have a tape recorder and you're you and your friends are trying to tell really cool stories. And, you know, the things that I learned from having a tape recorder, recording my own voice, playing it back, listening to what I like and don't like about my voice and learning how to communicate effectively through a different medium rather than face to face, I think really translates to the time that I spent in radio, the time that I spent in television and, of course, the time that I now spend doing podcasting. And um, it all goes back to that that uh, pencil and that cassette player that I needed to uh, uh, to record my voice. And that's where we are today. So my number one technology that changed my life, part two, is the tape recorder. Matthew, what do you have for your number one? My number one is definitely a repeat from my previous list. But uh, in my defense... It is one of those things that didn't just change my life. Uh, and that, of course, is the insulin pump. Uh, when my kid was six, uh, they had an issue. We took them to the express care. The express care nurse did a bunch of labs and came in with a look on her face like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And tried to be calm as they said they were going to have us take the kid to the emergency room. And what had happened was blood sugar was super high, like 600 milligrams per deciliter. Uh, your average person is going to be about 100, 105 on the high side, you know, if you're an adult. So, yeah, it was a whole thing. And for a while, several years actually, we got by with standard injections, doing the manual checks, doing the stick the needle, six or eight needle sticks a day, six or eight checks. And when we got the insulin pump, it meant that instead of so many sticks per day, every couple of days, the kid could stick themselves with this thing. It stays in their side. So fewer overall stabity stabs. Um, as this program started to record, and I'm not kidding you, I got a notice from the insulin pump that said their overall uh, level was low, blood sugar low alert. So, you know, they may or may not be somewhere in the house having a snack right now. But the thing about the insulin pump was it kind of changed everything for the whole family. And if you remember early, early, early on, I remember joking about uh, a, a robot pancreas so that I could have a cyborg child. In some ways, that's what we've got. And it's nice. And it's one of those things that's like, yes, this costs 100 times more than my first car. But, you know, in my defense, I buy cheap cars. And so having that insulin pump, that constant therapy and that ability to, you know, have, first of all, calculating help and injection help and all of the things that it does really feels like that transition that Stephen talked about, where all of a sudden you have a car, you can go places, you can do things, your mobility completely changes. It's kind of like that. And I would say that, yeah, if it is on the other list, and Carl will tell us if it is or isn't, then I'm just going to say that it changed uh, my life twice, and we're going to call it good. And that's why the insulin pump is my number one. All right. Rodrigo, you're going to close up uh, the show this week with your number one. What you got? Uh, my number one is also a health uh, types type thing. And that's a, uh, it's a tracker app for uh, migraines. Um, I think, you know, tracker stuff has gotten a lot more popular. It like really gives you 
a way to figure out how often something's happening and when and how. Um, just, uh, you know, re read the fa fine print. Make sure you're not just sending Google your the, the usage data of where you're at at any given point. Not that they need it, but they still want it. Um, so uh, I use a, a, a tracker app for my migraines. And, you know, when I start to get a migraine, I note it and I put down what medicine I use to as an emergency medicine and um, how much it hurts and and when and where I was and what possible triggers are. You can fill stuff in afterwards because because it kind of sucks to be like, uh, what? like just like sitting there squinting and like, oh, my head hurts so much. Uh, what are potential triggers that happened today? You can do that afterwards. Um, That's pretty cool. But yeah, it's it's very useful. And uh, in a, you know, not in an emergency way, but kind of in a similar way, like Matthew was talking about it, uh, when I started using it, it was scary. I realized that I get a lot of migraines, like a lot. Um, mm -hmm. It uh, has prompted me to really uh, push to get, you know, to, to, to have a neurologist and to go see them with some frequency. And I've tried a whole bunch of different medicines and the tracker app was a big part of it. You know, just like this one, I don't know if this is like a universal thing, but it puts together a uh, an impact report. And this is like, this is how many migraines you've had and how they've impacted you. And like, I'm looking through it and the thing is like, hi, this is how your migraines have impacted you. You have a severe disability. And I'm like, what? like yep hi you're disabled you have a chronic pain condition and i'm like oh well this is this is gonna take some thinking about mm -hmm. um and i'm still thinking about it you know it's it's it it kind of started me on this uh path of like basically instead of like fighting my migraines like living with my migraines and thinking about it and mitigating them rather than just being like well i'll do stuff and if i get a migraine i'll take some medicine and if it doesn't work i'll tough it out kind of stuff and really has got me trying to live uh in a more sort of like sort of in a better way with something that i don't have a lot of control over a lot of the time so mm -hmm. um it's uh obviously this is all part of a long process but the tracker app was a big part of it yeah. Now, does this also kind of, um, give you not some mind, not mindfulness stuff, but does it say, Hey, here are the things that we notice are that you're yeah. logging as triggering your migraine so that you can be aware of, Hey, this thing is happening. I better prepare for a migraine. So it's a, it's a full service and there is like a paid version. Um, but yeah. So one thing it does is like, you can at a glance, just like click something and be like, what are my, what are my triggers? And it'll tell you. And in fact, like, I'll go through and like put in potential triggers. Like one of the triggers that you can manually put in is the weather, is like a storm, mm -hmm. right? Or mm -hmm. or uh, or if it's raining or whatever. And it'll look at it and it'll cross-reference it with the weather, which it can do. And it'll be like, no, the weather's not one of your triggers. And I'm like, but it was a trigger when I was having a migraine. It's like, yeah, but you get a lot of migraines. So it's like the weather doesn't factor into it clearly. That, that's actually really like, cool okay. too. It is. It is now, is this good. something, yeah. I have so many questions. I mean, this is a cool piece sure. of technology, uh, but yeah. does this, is this something that you can take your medical professional and your medical professional can look at this stuff and say, ah, yes, this helps us in our better understanding of how we can help you. Or does the doctor go, yeah, it's an app. I'm a doctor. Uh, who are you going to trust? 
so yes to both of those things oh man <laughs> uh, certainly the app has given me something that i can take to my doctor and when the doctor like it used to be that when i would see a doctor about migraines they'd be like how many migraines do you have a month or a week or whatever usually a month is, mm -hmm. is how they measure it um and i'd be like i don't know like 10 but now i can say this is exactly how many migraines i've had in the last month and how many migraines i had in the la in the month prior um so this is like this is what exactly what it is right um it, interestingly uh, because again if i'm like well these are the like you know my app says this about my triggers a lot of the time the my new I've, I've seen multiple neurologists and they're not as receptive to that stuff mm. um because i don't i don't know why <laughs> but they're not um but I think that's like a doctor to doctor thing. It, interesting because I also see a, uh, I also have a therapist. It really helps me with my therapist because I can be like, well, because um, again, I'm like, oh yeah, I have like, I have a chronic pain condition and I need like to talk to someone about it. You know, so right. it's like, I got myself a therapist. And so I can show my, like my therapist is much more receptive to that stuff. It's like, oh sure. yeah, this app is great. And it says here that this and this is like, do you think that's what's happening? It's like, yes, I do think that's what's happening, you know, but <laughs> I, 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 you know, I find myself a good therapist and I, I have a good relationship with therapy. I, I feel like it's a game show where I know all the answers. It's mm -hmm. like, Hey, you know, it's like, why do you think this is it's like, well, I think it's this. It's like, have you thought it's this? Oh, it could be that. That's amazing. Very so, cool. Yeah. Very also cool. recommend therapy. It's not technology, but uh, if you can swing it, yeah. also get yourself. It's to a relatively therapy is relatively inexpensive, and yeah. a lot of times it can be covered by your insurance. By your insurance or by other things. Sometimes your work will cover mm -hmm. parts of the therapy, yeah. depending on where. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I know it's just you know comparatively, what you're paying a month on your Disney app and your Netflix app, you can go get therapy. <laughs> so there you go. If that's two two Disney's and a, and a Netflix, and that's your your therapy for the month. So there you go, ladies Take and gentlemen. Top five technologies that changed our lives. Part two. Will there be a part three? Who knows? Head over to our Discord server and let us know if you want more of this stuff, or if you've had enough. Maybe you want something else. Um, find out more at the Discord server. Go in, check it out, share your list. Everybody will read it. Why? Because everybody loves a list. Take care. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.